This is episode 16 of the Hub Games Hangout, brought to you by Untold. Available now from your local game store, online, and at wearehubgames.com. Share like the old one. <laughs> you are live. Live and dangerous. Oh, there we go. That's it. Uh, okay. Um, and how long were you in the office today? All day. Oh wow. Well, from yeah, about eleven. Um so it was yeah, it was actually um Pulling some stuff together for blank. Because uh, it's going out into more countries. So looking at incorporate, including some new rules uh, from our, you know, our demo set. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into it. Um, and then I don't know if you remember, we spoke about, uh, and I know I'm doing this all live. Uh, <laughs> it's just sort of like keep it secret. It's like, oh, who knows? I don't know. Changing some of the cards so that when you first open the game, you actually complete the condition. So when a rule uh-huh. says, if a, if a player plays a one, they must dot dot dot, and you actually uh-huh. complete it. Um, so you're customizing the game right from the get go. Cool, cool, cool. I thought you were going to wait for me to come back. No, no, no. pre show ramble. It's all good. <laughs> Hi, Yos. Yos says yeah. hello. We and just we I, just like froze. Yeah. Until he came back, and then we're like, oh, okay, I'm yeah, really. talking again. Goedenavond. Goedenavond. Oh god, Dutch is just such a. Well, Yos in- say, says Goedenavond, and I said Goedenavond. Oh, okay. It's close, but it's not exactly what it says in the common. <laughs> Like my brother lives over there. I should be able to sort of like at least get a vague attempt on the accent, but no. Where does he, like which area does he live? Uh, he's in Amsterdam. So oh yeah, running bars like a bad boy. Woo! A bar. Oh, that's nice. He's not running many at the minute because none of them are open. <laughs> none to run. <laughs> That is true. I, although there's been because uh, the regulations in the Netherlands, that's uh, not that many, but a lot of like cafes. If you have a terrace outside, they are open again. Mm. Oh, message. Who's that? Oh no, that was uh, my Twitter can't updating. Uh, <laughs> Just the millions of new fans mm. jumping on board. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so we've got stuff done, shared, extravaganzas sorted there. Bum, bum, bum. Just going to do it on the Hub Games one as well. Bonk. I am wearing Hub Games blue, kind of. Well done. The dress and parrots, obviously. It's it's on brand. It's the way to go. Uh, let's go. 
Cool. All right. Uh, oh, welcome, Fox and Hyde. Hello. Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, yeah, we're going to hit the magic button. Uh, we'll be back in like 30 seconds. Uh, and we will kick off this episode of The Hub Games Hangout. Let's go. And I remember to switch off the pre-show ramble banner like a clever person. Where did you go? Ah, so professional. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday. It's 7 o'clock in the UK. It's 8 o'clock in the middle of the Netherlands. It is. Bedtime. <laughs> Bedtime, yeah. everyone. Good night. Thanks for watching. It's been great. Um, yet another Hub Games Hangout uh, with us, your, your lovable rogues. I don't know, something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I am uh, one of your cordial hosts, the inimitable, the inevitable Michael Fox. Um, mm -hmm. Over there, Mr. Rory, uh, Flashdance O'Connor. Yeah, the inexorable Rory O'Connor. <laughs> and uh, below us, not below us, equal to us, but below us on the screen, um, is the intelligible Emma Janssen. Like that was that pretty good. That was pretty good. I was very worried about pronouncing your surname, it must be said. So so many people are going like Jansen or like mm -hmm. giving it and then I'm like, ah, just 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 don't. Stop. Putting your finger yeah. on their mouth like shh, 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 shh. No, no, no touching of anyone. <laughs> even digitally yeah. uh so yeah hello folks who are joining us uh live here on the stream of course we go out every wednesday uh and wednesday evening uk time uh live so uh, shout out to yos as always uh fox and hyde thank you for joining us uh oliver from tabletop game blog thank you as well um did a really nice piece about uh, meaningful games in the week uh, where we got a bit of a mention for holding on and you do not love the countdown the countdown is terrible and will be fixed when i do a new one uh Tamea says hi and you're not allowed to mention the the game that must not be mentioned Roy. yeah it's gonna get mentioned in this it has to get mentioned in this topic <sighs> anyway hello boy dell good day to you yeah, he's got a piece of paper ready to start the score. I would say a pleasure, but you know, it never is. Um, anyway, what have we been up to? How is um, how is life, y'all? Emma, let's start with you. What are you up to? How, how, oh. how, how, how's COVID in the Netherlands? Don't get me started. We're going to lose what? our guests before we even start, Michael. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. off. You, you know, it's bedtime. We're going to talk about COVID, which is horrible. And it's not being taken seriously right here because no one wears masks except where it's mandatory only in the public transport, which doesn't make any sense. Like, it makes sense that it's mandatory there, but it should be mandatory in many other places. I can be very uh, angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been interesting sort of like wandering down the street and like there's people with their masks down here. There's here. no masks here. Like, really? No, none. 
Oh wow. Okay, yeah. that's kind of that's kind of bad. So yeah, my, my brother, um, uh, my brother lives in Amsterdam, and he whenever he goes out, he's wearing masks. So he says there are people wearing them there. There's a couple, and me and my sister, I'm a, like my family does it when we go out because we're smart. <laughs> I'd like to, like, <laughs> I'd like to say, um, so we want to protect the others, but in a way, we're still at risk because. No one else in shops is wearing it, so. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, we have to. Well, well I mean, we're, they're not worn on the street. They're worn in shops. If you go into uh -huh. any kind of enclosed space, you have to wear them. Um, and Belfast is currently under kind of like restricted movement for the foreseeable future because there was a spike in the number of cases. Yeah. So, so we're not allowed to visit each other's houses. How is that number then? Because like here, it's been like around 900 a day, like... Uh, let's see, on the news yesterday, they said we'd had, so like obviously like from the day, so the previous reporting, like we'd had one death and reports were up to like 70 odd cases, 79 cases, something like that. Um, but we, we, both Rory and I just live around the corner from a place called the Holy Lands area of Belfast. And that place has gone oh my God. off. So Could it's you... a area of town and it is hilarious. I actually passed through there yesterday. It was nuts. Mm -hmm. It's just Hundreds. like, was, yeah, Hundreds. we're kind of wondering whether the colleges would actually just like bar the students from attending because it's the only way you'd actually maybe get them to kind of manage behavior. Yeah. But um, yeah, did you see BBC sent like a, a newsline crew down there and it, was yeah <laughs> it's like they couldn't interview anybody because everybody was too drunk to be on camera <laughs> and it's like whoops okay so we look forward to a lovely spike in a couple of weeks time uh fox Hyde says Hollyland is pretty bad on a non-covid year you're right i lived there two years ago it was hell <laughs> do you remember like mornings i'd come in rory at the office it's like michael what's wrong it's just like i didn't sleep very well last night it's just like why Four houses next to us had parties. <laughs> it's just sort of not good. Such an old man. <laughs> I am. It's true. Uh, anyway, let us let us move on and talk of of, of fun things, uh, of playing things. Um, Emma, I asked you first last time, so Rory, I'll ask you. Anything you got playing? Anything you've done? Um, since last Wednesday. Um, uh -huh. I think I played some Marvel Champions since then. Um, we did. It was Saturday. An expectation of our package of Red Skull arriving, which still hasn't still not here. <laughs> but it actually did arrive. It's being held at the post office. Um, Test of Honor, the miniatures game. So we've got a, a couple of more games of that with Aaron. Which cool. Lots of cinematic uh, samurai action fun. And then we played Fort. Um, on the weekend. Yeah, sorry, we played Marvel Champions as well. We played Marvel Champions literally on Saturday, yeah. Rory. We I came to your house when it yeah. was legal. Knowing that the lockdown was coming, yeah. It was like, quick, let's play. That sounds really bad, but we got to take a Well, no, we were totally within the legal requirements. So It's true. Uh, and yeah, it was good. Fort was grand. Uh, Marvel Champions, we played Ultron and got our faces punched in. One more round. I would have one, won one more round. One more, it would have been good. Mm. Emma, what about you? How you um, you live with a bunch of folks, so you actually have like a ready-made gaming group. Yeah, because I live with my family again. I have four other people in this house, so we can play games. I played 
Azul with my sister and my mom, and we played Karuba. So, like oh. Monday, I think. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, have you played all of the Azuls or just the one? Uh, one and three. I haven't played two. Okay. I've not done three. Summer but... Pavilion is pretty, like, it's it's a step up, like, from, hmm. like, challenge from the original Azul. <laughs> so, you're just. The one that has the. Um, is it the stained glass one? Yeah, that's two. Stained glass. That's of... two. Three is the uh, Summer Pavilion. With all the little diamondy bits. Yeah. yeah. I think I've played that one as okay. well. That's pretty good. Cool. Yeah. I mean, Azul still hits our table pretty regularly. Um, and it's it's nice because you don't have to think too much, I guess. Depends on if you play with the regular side or one of the expansions or like the, the other side where it's just gray. Because if you use the gray side, it's like... You have to think a lot more than just a regular stuff. <laughs> so I'm just having a look at the uh, what's what's going on in the chat. Oliver says you played four. I'm so jealous. That's just why I pre-ordered it. It was I had it for weeks and it's just been sat there going, I want to play it. Uh, Oliver also asked, did Michael win Prism Arena yet? We'll talk about that later. No, he didn't. <laughs> Simple, simple, simple answer. <laughs> Later, Rory. Um, suggestions from uh, Fox and Hyde. Sagrada is a good option for similar game to Azul as well. Um, true. Yeah, that gets uh, that gets a table pretty frequently here as well. It's a good one. And yes, Yoss, you are correct. Not this week. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm not no, saying right. the name. <laughs> Unless pushed. We'll yeah. see how it goes. All right, so um, Emma, obviously we like to know a little bit about the uh, the guests we have on. Sorry, I'm playing with a bag um, clip because I had some crisps up here earlier and I should stop fiddling. Um, give all my attention to you, our wonderful guest. Uh, well, I can find my fidget cube and fidget with something, but... Fidgeting, is, fidgeting it helps you concentrate. Um, so tell us about your sort of like life as um, life in games. What do you do? Why, where, why are you here is the, is the question we normally boil it down Why to. am I here? I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> Like 42 is the answer, right? Uh, um, well, I use last year I started posting stuff online, which then turned into more stuff, which turned into a podcast and more stuff. And I started work like I worked in video games when I started posting more about board games, and I got a job in board games last December, December and I quit that job because I had a four-hour commute every day, which was bizarre, and the the job wasn't a perfect match with me. So I decided to take a plunge and try to make stuff full-time, which is really scary, especially in these times. And so I uh, started up also a Twitch live like live streaming and doing like hosting streams for conventions and all that kind of stuff so it's a podcast it's random videos it's random live streams cool cool, cool. <laughs> and um yeah obviously your your marketing is is wonderful um because you, you, all, you, you always start by telling people you know the name of the show every single time the pointless parrot podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, yeah, we um, are very much appreciative of the very. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> we are very appreciative of the on-brand uh, garments. Mm -hmm. It's parrot cool. dress. Cool. You need to get uh, a new duvet, though. 
<laughs> well, normally, like, I, I got a more ergonomic stand for my laptop, so, like, it's at a better high, eye okay. level. So, normally, the parrot was in the shot already, but mm -hmm. if I do that now, it's like, hello, I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're sitting on a small stool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still sitting very low because ergonomics and that kind of stuff, because we sit a lot. Because <laughs> we yeah, are stuck. <laughs> So we are stuck indoors. Um, so you're also a member of, um, as of this past weekend, officially the yeah. big announcement, um, the uh, the lovely team from Girls Game Shelf. Um, how did that come across? How did that happen? Um, it's, uh, I started talking to Anna Maria a couple months ago already about it. Um, before I, like, quitting my job was on the table. And so we talked a bit about it. And then I decided to start a Pointless Parrot and do more with that. And I told her, like, I cannot commit to already jumping into the team right now because I don't know how much work it's going to be. Because in the Netherlands, if you do something in which you then are, like, in the financial, like, if you earn money doing something that's not just like, hey, I'm helping you out, you have to register, you could do it. You could not register and earn a certain amount of money a year. But, like, I went in with the ID. I am just going to do this for the long run and try to oh, make it an actual mm -hmm. thing so it's officially registered as a business uh, so that took up like a bunch of like administration financial stuff like uh, registering um getting a bank account set up all that jazz so <laughs> and then uh, i came back to Anaria like hey it's set up when are we gonna roll <laughs> and then we uh, announced it the last weekend during the shelf Cool weekend festivities. Yeah, which was a cool event. Um, we were a part of it as well, um, running a few games very early in the morning. Um, not quite as early as I thought. Um, it wasn't yeah, that early. Right? No, nah, okay. So I kind of messed up. Um, oh wait, it's my time. I was thinking, and never mind. <laughs> well, it, it's it, an it, hour it wasn't, earlier for you. It wasn't early that that early for us either. Um, in the grand scheme of things. So we had uh, Adventure Mart play scheduled um, on the Saturday morning and Flip Over Frog scheduled on the Sunday morning. So I checked the times and it's like, okay, oh, oh, they're using UTC, Universal Time thingy, whatever that stands for. And um, okay, cool, perfect. I'll set mine up for seven, da, 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 da. get up, start thing that's eight, perfect. Nah, it was nine o'clock. I, I screw everything up by an hour. So I was sort of, just sitting there in the chat going, is anybody here? Anybody around? And it's like 90% of America is asleep. Europe is just waking up. And it's like, is anybody going to show up to play these things? Thankfully they did, which was lovely. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It was like a really, it was like a little sort of like mini con, I guess, mini online mm -hmm. con where there was just a really nice vibe, lots of people coming together um, and just, yeah, some some good times, some good stuff. The smallest show we've done this year, but very entertaining. Well, it was fifty hours of like consistent live streaming as well, and I think mm -hmm. that also wow. took up a bunch of people's like. It was either you were playing a game or you were watching a live stream, kind of mm -hmm. during the event. So that was fun to do. That's all good. Uh, Joe says, "Coordinated Universal Time." Thanks, Joe. <laughs> That's all good. Um, all right, we're going to do topic stuff. Yes. Yeah. So what, what topic did you pick for us, Michael? Um, it's like a quiz show. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so like Rich, wheel. yeah Rich, actually yeah we should have like a wheel of topics in the back and we just go mm -hmm. there we go it's time for this one um i feel like richard osman there you go there's a very limited reference for most people um all right so story behind it is um over the last few weeks i've been playing um some interesting stuff um which one of one of the games i'm going to talk about in a little bit um but also i've noticed it seems to happen in waves um the the wonderful world of representation in games sort of it gets really loud on board game twitter every once in a while and then it sort of like fades away in the background then it gets really loud again um so it's it, it's time for another loud wave of representation um i think it should be a consistent wave a consistent like roar yeah uh, you know a consistent <laughs> screaming of it's not that bad y'all please make it happen um so obviously you know we 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 represent a a very very well represented area of the um of the gaming space can i can i i don't want to put you on the spot but yeah. i was wondering uh if like if we're talking about representation of course me being a female that's one part of it but mm -hmm. um oh i feel like i'm putting you on the spot now sorry hey, put me on the spot go for it <laughs> um would it be have been a better idea to have a, uh, a more inclusive person on as well for? Oh yeah, I mean, I I I did actually try and get a couple of um, uh, black gamers on as well. Yeah, but simply because timing didn't work out, we couldn't get them on. No, it just popped in my mind, and I feel <laughs> I just want to like ask. Oh no no because, no no! It, yeah. Yeah, it, it that's the thing. Um, Call calling me out on it is yeah you should do because it's just sort of like yeah it, it would be nice to sort of like have as wide a representative group actually talking about this sort of stuff as possible. Um, now obviously because of who we are, um, I imagine that a lot of the discussion is going to be about sort of like gender and sexuality representation in games. But yeah, there is also that big third, you know, that third area of like you know representation um through color in games as well mm -hmm. uh, which we can of course touch on and discuss that would be super good um but yeah it's just a thing it's been popping up into my mind a lot again recently um just simply because of a few things that i've played a few things that have sort of like fallen into my lap and that i've tried out and i wanted to sort of like have almost like an overarching conversation about how how can how can we keep on pushing this idea of representation while while not sort of like um, making it sound like it's preaching because that is what turns an awful lot of people off and especially the people who's who are the ones whose minds we are trying to trying to change trying to convince that yes this is a good thing to be talking about as opposed to oh get your politics out of my gaming get your gender politics out of my games it's just sort of like how how can we keep on taking those steps um so i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna kick it off with a, a i guess a what i hope would be a relatively straightforward question it's like um do y'all have any like examples of games that you find are inclusive like you know good shiny examples of games that you find are representative or inclusive um and emma we'll kick off with you um, well, I think the first thing that pops in mind is also because I joined the uh, 
the board game cosplay with Girls Game Shell for the game, which is mm-hmm. High Society, which not only in like has a bunch of females in it, but also people of color and black people. And I think that's a very like with the art, which is also amazing, is a game that features a lot of people that I would like to see in games. That's good. I mean, it it, it that's an interesting one as well because it's got a very sort of nineteen twenties. Art Deco vibe to the art across. The, so we're talking about the new Osprey Games version, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's a new version. Yeah, um, and obviously, you know, if you look back to the 1920s in high society in England, for example, there wouldn't have been as huge amount of of black people around. So it's interesting that they that they sort of eschewed the historical accuracy element of it and went for, no, we're just going to just bump up the inclusion levels because we want to. So it's all cool. Rory, what about you? Anything that you've uh, particularly got on your shelves? Um, yeah. And like, I think it's easy to focus on, you know, we're going to start with the kind of, I guess, the visual aspect of, mm-hmm. of representation. Um, and so from that perspective, I think the immediate one that had came and which I had alluded to um, was Ashes, um, just because of yeah the, the characters, but especially when you start going into the expansions mm-hmm. of it, like such a diverse range of characters in that set that it, it was only recently when I was actually going back through them, I was like, oh my God, this is like really kind of... Uh, a really big mix in terms of uh, an essentially appearance of people because that's mm-hmm. all the aesthetic of a game can really capture and it's limited by that aspect of it. Um, but for me, I always think of like, is this a game I would be happy to kind of show to the widest range of people possible? And I think that has, you know, kind of powerful characters in it that people can kind of identify with or aspire with if they like those kinds of games because that's the other kind of issue in terms of the game content or you know theme as well mm-hmm. so i think ashes would be the one for me cool um so i got a couple of examples i, I was just downstairs just looking on my shelves and going okay that's a really good one that's a pretty good one um fog of love you know obviously is like we had Jacob on last week uh, in our sort of like big, big head to head to head sort of thing, and you know they have very much like Hush Hush Projects is very much trying to push the idea of like um, anybody can play this. It's not just a generic heterosexual romantic comedy. Um, anybody can play, and they push that idea by releasing the diverse cover series. So like you know. Um, Two male presenting people, two female presenting people, um, uh, a disabled like a disabled person, and somebody else dancing on the covers as well. And it was, I I guess I remember when he announced it, and um, I was talking to John from Actual Lol about it, John Perkis, and we were both like super excited about it. We just like totally because it's like, when do you get to see like somebody in a wheelchair on the front of a freaking game box? Um, which I, I absolutely loved. I thought it was fantastic. It's just like, yeah, just keep on pushing. And the fact that the game itself is also, you know, pretty much entirely gender neutral, 
just with the cards that you pull out, it, it, you know, yes, admittedly, color-wise, they're sort of like tasks. One set is blue and one set is pink, but it doesn't matter really in the grand scheme of things. But what I think is interesting with that, again, because those things are purely aesthetic, like mm-hmm. what they, they've done. And we were, I think it was on the last chat, actually, um, Jacob was t- talking and saying how they're actually now trying to modify the cards that would represent scenarios and situations that would be more representative as well. And I think that's a really interesting thing. Like you can say, yes, we're all equal and we're kind of all the the, the same, but actually like the life conditions that people find themselves in and maybe the choices they're confronted with, they're nuanced and different that definitely put you into kind of uh, different groupings as well and i think it's really interesting that they're trying to they're acknowledging that and incorporating that into the game and that ultimately for me is the really interesting thing about representation in games is exploring that aspect mm-hmm. of it um so we will move on to that in a minute uh, emma i saw you looking off to the side at your mm-hmm. your yeah. very full shelves um, well very limited shelves hey they look pretty good when you showed me that was good stuff on there so copy of Mega yeah, Hmm? I saw a copy of Mega City. That's all that matters. Hmm. With fine. your your autograph in it and uh, a drawing of a tower, <laughs> <laughs> and your uh, the the parrot that's going to be in the new game. Secret game. Actually, we, we can talk about that in a little bit because that's actually a pretty representative thing as well. Um, so, Rory, you. Um, you mentioned earlier before we actually like kicked off the, the, the stream mm-hmm. proper uh, that what you find more I feel very it, it feels weird I feel very nervous talking about this um, talking about this subject as a whole but I think it's an important subject that should be discussed um, you you think that it's it's pretty straightforward that you know you, you can not straightforward, but you know you can demonstrate representation through visual means. But what's more important to you is uh, representing representation through the values of a game or whatever. Um, would you be able to sort of like expand on that a little bit, and then Emma and I can pick up the baton? Well, there's a couple of things so I might need to ramble for a little bit. Um, I need a new banner that says "Mid-Show Ramble." Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we can kind of represent visually, and that is an important aspect, but it, it shouldn't be the end point, first of all, you know, I think, in terms of looking at representation. Um, so it's one thing that can be done within games, but I think for me, talking to different people, and if uh, I'm always thinking about that question of how do you bring more people into games, um, it's also through like the themes and the values that are exhibited within those games and that people get to explore, you know, and traditionally games have, for example, like um, be the best at something mechanics as a way of winning it. And they're just not interesting to a lot of, of people and their, their values. And yes, we might be someone like you can describe someone based on their visual appearance um and jeremy siddick actually had a really interesting post yesterday about 
profile pictures for the visually impaired? Like, how do you communicate what who someone is through their profile pic through alt text like wording for it? Because it's not going to convey the information you need to know about that person. So visually, you can show people. But also then there's our internal values and the things we care about and our our needs. And we share a lot of them as well. And also they differ across a lot of people. <clears throat> and for me, it's kind of more interesting to try and figure out how do we represent that greater range of um, needs and values that people have in a way that it um, brings them into the, the world of gaming as well. And it's like, you know, books and cinema are easier to do it because because of the way the story is told you get to see inside the person's head and you can connect and you can relate to that person or you can see the circumstances that they find themselves in where a board game has to operate i think over within tighter constraints and a set of rules have to be created for the behavior of everybody within that game and you have to say this is the outcome or win condition of that game and so the perspective of the person creating that game can kind of limit that, but it's also really hard to capture nuances of different values. Um, for example, I was talking to a, a friend about this topic last week, and she has a hearing impairment. And she used to come along to our board meeting game night when it first started back in 2010. And, you know, explained all of her trepidations about coming as a as a young mother with two children um, and also with a hearing impairment. And she was like, is there just not other like themes for the game that don't involve like she was talking about Dominion, which she was like, I love it. But it's just about defeating everybody, you know, and scoring the most points. And she just wanted something different mm -hmm. in the game to explore. And that's the thing that's always turning over in my mind is like how do you capture how people tick inside and bring that out into a gameplay experience so that for me is the interesting thing about uh the potential for games like how do we capture people's hopes and concerns and actually emulate that in a gameplay experience that they can relate to mm -hmm. okay so it's yours is more of a it, it, it's a sort of like a very wide net of representation, I guess. Then it's the it's the representation of the the human spirit, I guess. It's well, it, it's race, identity, it's economic, you know, values, it's religious yeah. beliefs. There's there's lots of uh, things to cover because games co are cover a very small portion of it, yeah. and it's kind of traditionally the nature of the mechanics. I think are what limited to that um that audience in the first place and that's where i think there's a lot of scope to extend that out but if every time i try to put my head like down different avenues of how could you make a game like this or that it's like my god i just need a massive rule book you know it's it's very hard to figure out a, an elegant way to do that and my brain tends to go towards like choose your own adventure type gameplays you know, and that's where I think role-playing games then have been great in terms of being able to cover uh, a wider breadth of topics and be a bit more, I think, inclusive in their content than board games have been able to, especially in recent years. Well, depends on uh, also what kind of groups you're in because um, what I've seen online lately, because there was someone who designed, um, I think, 
wheelchair miniatures or there mm -hmm. was a whole discussion about people who didn't agree on having characters with wheelchairs in Dungeons and Dragons and I think those people were very wrong because even like back then they could have been like resourceful yeah. or in that situation to have those people as adventurers because they are just as important as people who have working legs if like maybe they're even faster like they can use it to their advantage like it's like if you choose like you wrap your brain around like it's always still like why why make it an issue yeah i mean there's so much stuff in games where where it involves like what we call hand waving which is like oh, it's just there because you know and i find then that sometimes the things that people get head up over you're like well actually if you were attacked you'd probably die straight away you know you'd be an inept adventure and you'd die but you're not arguing about that aspect of no, realism within the game that's the underlying issue with a lot of these things is there's everybody that's like like either designing games that are have been doing it for years have been not calling anyone out or anything but because they've been doing it in a way for ages i think it's more important to start small so we can get more people on board mm -hmm. and then broaden that out so there's more inclusive inclusivity uh, and representation in board games um instead of like completely expect i like some people will never change and that's sad but some people are like stuck in their ways cannot do that but everyone else i wish they are like trying to, like i am still learning so much like being new and never like i am ashamed of myself for not being as educated on it because i before getting into the industry i never really focused on it i never really thought about it also as a like i am privileged to be like even have a roof above my head right now i could not mm -hmm. like <laughs> being able to be here and follow my dreams is something that not a lot of people have so that I never educated myself I'm ashamed of and I am working on that and I think more people should see that light and either if it's inclusivity I hate that was pronouncing that mm -hmm. word or representation both aspects should be really important and I am happy more people are seeing the light and that's why I said it needs to be a constant wave because if it's like um, keeps being a like spike, let's say it in COVID terms, if it's like waves and second waves and whatever, it needs to be a constant. So even new people who are coming into the industry are not like, oh, hey, is this like, oh, is this a thing? They should like instantly know like, oh, we want to be representation, mm -hmm. like representing all kinds of humans. Yeah, I mean, did he? To be honest, the wheelchair thing, uh, the D and D wheelchair, um, is one of the things that sort of like kicked my my brain into thinking about this because, um, okay, I I am slowly getting more and more disabled. Um, my spine is getting worse and worse and worse, and I am going to end up in a wheelchair at some point in the. Not near future, hopefully, but it's going to happen. Um, and personally, I would freaking, you know, I, I want to see that kind of representation. I want to see, like, a, a magically powered wheelchair doing amazing stuff in the world of D&D. &D. 
but it was so strange that the the thing that all the naysayers focused on was oh well you'd never be able to get down the stairs it's just like oh you'd never be able to get that through a door in a dungeon it's just sort of like you're talking about a world full of actual dragons and magic my friends fucking i cast a spell and it widens the door by two feet there you go done but i think i think that's a good example of um when like when you become aware of something especially when you find yourself facing a change in your life and circumstances suddenly this whole world opens up to you that was always there but you'd never really paid much attention to it like i gotta say the same thing happened when we had our first child we used to joke about we used to see all these like different you know baby changing facilities that we'd never paid any attention to before and it changed like it almost like remaps your world it was always there and it we can i think we can do things in in games that doesn't preclude the people who are already enjoying them from continuing to enjoy them um and i don't i believe in kind of pushing against open doors i'm not gonna invest my energy in trying to convert other people you know to a different way of life it's more like allowing them the time to come around to it so that's where i would kind of push more towards exploring new games and new themes that are more representative of a wider audience and going and having conversations with those people because there's going to be others who are going to keep making the games that serve that existing audience and i gotta you know give a shout out to knights of media who are a book publisher in the UK who are focusing on um, books featuring BAME characters, creators, and authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and they're just, they're creating a conversation by saying, hey, we're going over this direction. You know, if you want, come with us. And that's kind of the approach I tried to take rather than getting into arguments on Twitter about, um how someone you know how i believe they should change their their thought process well actually oliver from tabletop games blog made a good point saying i think you need to make constructive suggestions of how to improve things and not just tell people what they've done wrong and i think that's where a lot of the arguments sort of begin it's just sort of like you've done this badly and it's like oh well, actually, I have because um, yeah, we all know we don't like being told that we've messed up. Um, so yeah, M, sorry, you, I, I, I interrupted. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I f- forgot my train of thought. Um, ah, I have ruined everything. No, it's fine. I think it was about um, getting into arguments on Twitter. Um, sometimes it needs to happen. Sometimes people need to be called out. Sometimes. People need to like have the spotlight in their face, like, hey, you are doing something wrong. I would like it would hurt if I would do something wrong. That's a uh, an imperfection of mine. I am very worried of disappointing others. But I would appreciate someone calling me out if I did something wrong because I am trying to be better mm-hmm. and a lot of things. And that's what ugh, speaking out about these things is also something that's very scary for me because I've never done it before and I want to do it right because mm-hmm. I want to get my thoughts across well and also doing it in not my native language. I am always scared of saying the wrong thing because like, even though I do a lot of things in English, it's still like, how would I word these things 
as good as possible. So I am not one switch up of words can mess up a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, so getting in arguments on Twitter, um, sometimes it's necessary because if it's the only way to reach someone or like, don't go after one person with a bunch of people. That's like, that's not good. Like, mm -hmm. don't go like calling the mobs to go like, hey, you are doing this wrong. But sitting down with someone like sending them a message or DM or whatever, let them know like, hey, you might want to reconsider what you posted or like look at it from this side. And I mm -hmm. think that's what a bunch of people have been doing as well uh, over the last few months either mention it in the comments or sending a person a message like, hey, please reconsider and please change your voice. If people then continue to go against that, yeah, of course people are going to like get more angry in the comments and that's how long threads are starting. So I would suggest that if you get a comment like, hey, reconsider, step back, take a look at what you've posted and at yourself before you are like blowing things up too much. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. I, I, I think that's good. Rory, you've, um, you've talked to me uh, previously about. Um, I cannot remember what you described it as, but it's like, um, it, it's like a, a pyramid thing, and a person's at the top, and they, they make a decision, and they go down one side, mm -hmm. and the further down that one side they go, the less likely they are to sort of like realize, oh, I screwed up, I'm wrong, and change their direction. And I think a lot of arguments on the internet, TM, about representation um, are, 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 are like that. You know, people are vested into this thing. This is what I believe, and I, I've said this, and this is what I, I'm going to stick by. Um, because it's almost like almost a, a sign of weakness to go, actually, I, I screwed that up. And I, I actually find it really refreshing when somebody Sort of like is I willing think it to, be a strength, to not a weakness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, hey, I messed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think the three of us are kind of preaching the converted because the three of us are, are the kind of people who would always be okay with somebody taking us aside and going, Michael, you f this. Can you please go and fix it? Um, because it's like there's there's also like a huge group of people who would just sort of say, Nah, I stand by it. I'm right. It's uh, it's odd. So um, I'll kind of respond to that, the thing you were talking about, um, and then add something uh, where I was on the receiving end of that. Um, so it's called Dissonance Theory, and there's a brilliant book called Mistakes Were Made, and in brackets, but not by me, which I love. <laughs> um, and it's the idea of, yeah, we want to believe we have made the right, the right choices. Um, and the book basically highlights how police, funnily enough, politicians, doctors, parents, ch you know, children can all find themselves in this, this situation where you, you end up becoming more invested in the decision you've made. Because at any point, if you were to admit that you'd made an error in judgment or mistake. The question is, why didn't you admit it sooner? And so you basically double down and invest more in it. And it, it basically shows how you, you know, if you wanted how you people get manipulated, 
like especially in the political sphere of like giving small gifts and then they kind of build up more and more and then people will become obliged because at some point they'd have to go i should never have gone for coffee with that person in the first place to stay clean but now i'm flying over it was an example of someone flying over to play um golf from from a like a politician with the cigarette a tobacco company flying over to scotland to play golf with them one weekend and it was like you had to trace back the events that led to them actually doing that um so that's a hard thing that people don't want if something is presented to them it's hard to kind of acknowledge that um and at the same time i always follow the the kind of adage that i'd learned from marshall rosenberg that every one of us is doing the best we can at the time given the resources that we have um but in in doing that we our actions may not meet the needs for other like in terms of like consideration respect acknowledgement um and i think emma like you were saying my, my kind of panic was that idea of like calling someone out on twitter because or online because i don't think that's the best way to help it especially if there's like 10 or 20 people doing it simultaneously where i've watched threads going if i'm on the receiving end of this i've no idea how i'm gonna hold it all straight and have a meaningful conversation with the different people and yeah when you get people echoing you know one person's comment it's just like oh well, can you all step back and let those two people have the conversation and kind of work it out from there but some people don't step back and then they're that is gonna explode even further yeah. i think um of course it's gonna be hard to make a mistake and have that happen to you um but it also is a learning moment because it then like provides you with more information on how to do better and i think if it gets to the person too much they can always because it's the internet you can turn off your phone you can turn off your computer for a moment go outside for a walk with a mask please and <laughs> just like think and like come to yourself and when you're calmed down or like when you're feeling more comfortable you can always like make one tweet or whatever and you don't have to respond to everyone because if they are on the case and you make one statement about it they will see that as well you don't i don't i don't think you would have to reply to every single person in that kind of thread mm -hmm. if you are learning and you want to like apologize you can it should be a sincere apology of course like, mm -hmm. but yeah. like yeah. oh hey i messed up okay i'll like think like learn about it and I what think. about if you if 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 the thing you're dealing with the entity you're dealing with isn't a single individual though um so i have a company in mind who uh released an image a couple of days ago of a brand new mini that they had finished up for uh, a game that they were kickstarting that i think it, it had already been kickstarted uh and successfully and this was like the final model of the game with the, uh, the, the, the underwear line. That's the one. That's the okay, one. It's just yeah. like, ah, yeah. So, like, it was a, a female character, um, like, meant to be, like, one of the most uber-powerful mages in this weird universe that they have created, uh, going into battle, ready to destroy everything that comes before them. And it's like, okay, that's a lot of crotch for battle. It's, it's straight up there. Um, we It's wild 
Um, and they've been called out before countless times on like putting like over sexualized designed minis into their games. And the, you know, it's not just this one company uh, like who, who, who do it, there are plenty of others. And I assume that they do it because they know it sells. It's the, you know, it's sexy stuff sells. And but then the problem lies within the company because they want to earn money. And I think if companies would make the conscious decision to put in those things in their games, I would think twice before backing that kind of project or something from that company because if they've been called out many times and that's the part where I'm still uneducated I have no backlog of what has <clears throat> happened with whatever company in how many years I've only been in this hobby for a couple of years and only as a hobby and like not really consuming a lot of media just like playing games I did an internship and that kind of stuff but if a company gets called out many times, then why would they not change the thing? Because it's health, if like you said, and he, there could be. I think it would still sell if it wasn't that. But mm -hmm. it, in in your in, in your case, because hub games, y y do you want to sell to that audience? That's the question a company should ask themselves. Like, do you want to well, sell to that audience then? So. To a way of framing it, Emma, is like everything, we're always trying to meet needs, right? Um, and we choose strategies to try and meet those needs. So in that case, the question is like, what is that company's need and what makes them? And they believe that creating minis in this way is the best way to meet that need, you know, and so the, the need is generally universal, like, and it'll be very hard to argue with the need, um, but it's the, the strategy you can try and encourage people to shift away from and take a different approach, but they have to believe it's a better approach to meeting their need than the path they're following. Otherwise, you know, it's why we don't diet or, you know, change our behaviors because we, we've conflicting needs that keep us on that path. Um, that's that's why it needs to be a constant wave, like not a wave, but a constant mm -hmm. uh, echo throughout the industry that some things just need to be a standard. I th I think. Yeah. Um, well, there's an interesting thing. Um, I have a friend who just posted an article about the um, Oscars, where they've set a set of guidelines for what it is needed to win an uh, I think a Best Picture Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think that's a kind of really interesting take um, where they're saying these are the, the requirements in terms of representation, basically, on the film set and in on screen as well. So, you know, it could be things like that. I think at the same time, there, there will be those companies who will produce those products and will um, sell them. The thing that kind of bugs me is the airtime they get, even through the arguments that are had about them. Like that is just reinforcing the thing and, you know, adding justification to the people to stand up for that as well. Um, Cause you're creating drama for them. Um, well, actually Joe mentions that as well. Maybe they do it on purpose for the controversy because mm -hmm. they know it will get publicity, um, which is 
an interesting point. I mean, I guess it's the, hey, all advertising is good advertising kind of thing, um, which I'm not entirely sure of. I mean, I, I know that I, I've made a specific point that I am – this company, again, I'm not going to say their name, um, have – produced a bunch of games that I'm actually really interested in playing. But because they just don't listen, they don't seem to listen, um, I'm just like, okay, well, fine, whatever. I'm not going to give you my money because of this. I'd sooner give it to someone, you know, shout out somebody positive, someone like Bad Squiddo, who, like, do a really sort of, like, interesting, versatile, representative range of minis that are not what's he looking for. My mini. I'm always worried. Yeah, my, when, my when you start turning around, man, I'm always worried where, where you're going. Um, but yeah, because like they, you know, it's Annie at Bad Squidder, I think. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they made an active decision to sort of like not go for the TNA magician boobs everywhere, like bikini armor extravaganza. They, you know, they make minis of regular people. And the, that's refreshing and should be sort of like, should be the norm because we're all mostly regular people. But again, I think, sorry, no, go, go ahead, Emma. Rory. No. Uh, the Irish and the Dutch were just like too flight with each other. Um, <laughs> with, I was just thinking of all that guilt that was like spinning around earlier on. <laughs> um, I mean, I think Annie's story is interesting in that, you know, she enjoyed playing war games, but she just wasn't seeing the characters she identified with within those games and started to create them. And that's, you know, one of the ways to address representation is for you to get in there and make games. But at the same time, there's a whole set of barriers to actually doing that. And that, for me, is kind of trying to swing the conversation around a little bit. That's one of the interesting challenges is like if we want more representation of people and values within games how do we actually as creators support that or publishers and you know um because they're even if you say well you know just go make a game there's a huge barrier yeah easy doing that yeah and um you know we've spoken with Ugandan Game Changers and, and the the teens there and tried to support them. But the reality is like they're trying to scrape through education and that's always going to take priority over designing, you know, a game. And that's, again, this is where my head goes is like, if, if we actually want to increase representation within games, there's so much to do around removing the barriers for people to actually do it and actually be interested in doing it because half the time people are like but why would i bother like <laughs> you know when i look at the audience and the people who are out there they're not going to be interested or they're going to attack what i do so what's the point i'm just going to go elsewhere and it's there will always be a group that will get attacked by some other group for whatever they do mm. and that's the harsh reality but it, what I'm saying is if you're waving the flag for, like, we want more representation, that, that we have to be really careful about how we actually then support people who are making that effort 
as well. It's not like sitting on the sidelines and go, yeah, you go do that. It, they're, go it's go make like, a game. <laughs> well, what, there was something I used to work, uh, do some like change work in an organization, and I used to describe it as you have to run interference. So while other people are doing the work that's creating change, you have to kind of like be in the forefront and take the brunt of all of the attacks or the challenges so that they are protected whilst they create the work or make change. And I think that's an important role for established, you know, creatives, publishers, distributors within the industry is to run interference for other people so that they can actually create games that increase the range of representation within games. Does that make sense? No, no, yeah, that's... <laughs> it, yes, Rory. No, 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 it does, it does. Um, it's almost like... So I, I, I was talking to um, Steph and Erin downstairs about this before we started the show, and it's the idea of... Uh, Emma, you said it earlier, like, you know, we, we all come from sort of like a place of privilege, you know, um, what up? I'm I'm Michael. I'm 44, I think. <laughs> 45 this year? I don't know. What year is it? Um, and I am privileged as hell because I am a demographic that pretty much every advertiser is chasing. Because, you know, hey, I'm male, I'm white, I've got money, relatively. Um you know, I am I, I am seen as a valuable target market. So I should, to make me feel like I'm making the world a little bit of a better place, I should be using that power, that privilege, that responsibility to, as you said, Rory, run interference, to sort of like make it easier for people to do things that they want to do um, who ordinarily wouldn't get the opportunity to. And... Yeah, I, I I realize it's a failing in myself. I need to sort of like I I would love to be more active in, you know, going out supporting people. Like I'm, I'm a member of the table shop uh, tabletop mentorship program, um, you know, so people who who are from like diverse backgrounds get the experience of. I mean, we say experience. It's me, but you know, it's they they get my experience as a games designer, developer, whatever. Um, so that's you know that's a positive thing to do. You know, I, I find games from people who I really, really, you know, who are from like you know diverse backgrounds on Kickstarter, and it's just like, oh, this game is actually pretty interesting. If I, you know, if I've got the spare money to back it, I'll do it. But it's like, it, it's almost like I, I want to try and convince everybody to do it. But it's also a very, very difficult thing because, yeah, there's always going to be that group of people that's just sort of like, yeah, we don't really care. We just want our bikini armored big boob mages. Thank you very much. And please take your politics out of our games. So I don't know. It's a bit depressing. Yay. <laughs> if, like, if you turn it around, there's probably games that are speak to different audiences that I know I'm like, I'll play it because I want to support it, but the mm -hmm. theme doesn't, doesn't grab me. And I think that that's just the point. You know, like a lot of the themes of the games being made now are ta targeting like us as players. And it's just trying to have 
more games and more topics and themes that cover different things that we may never will likely never even hear about because I, I think about like you know books in a bookstore there's loads of sections and categories you don't go and look at because they're not of interest to you but it's the idea is collectively it's catering for a wider audience that's kind of really the point to get to not to make everybody play everything and be aware of everything um and so one of the things is also you know i've been listening to a lot of podcasts about um kind of race patriarchy democracy and a lot of it i just feel like as a white male i probably need to just like to some extent we get by on mediocrity and a lot of males do you know within this system and part of it's just going actually it's time to hang up you know the shoes and just step back and let someone else you know who's more talented from an underrepresented group fill that space and, and shine their light because i'm very conscious it's not being the kind of the white knight thing either and like sometimes it's actually just get it out of the way for other people uh to come forward within the industry so i'm not advocating that we champion other people solely, you know, and they can't do it without uh, those people. It, it's knowing when to get out of the way and when to mm. run interference for people. Yeah, it's it's a very um, tricky tightrope to walk, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't want to sort of like go, oh, we are the saviors of everybody and we're here to fix things because we're not going to be able to do that. Mm. But we can at least sort of like amplify voices, I guess. Um, celebrate the celebrate the things that we want to see and just keep on pushing and pushing i guess my only worry is rory if if, if we do sort of like hang up our hang up the old gloves and and say all right it's time for somebody else to to take over it's just going to be another you know photocopy of me just sort of like jumping in going ah it's my time to shine it's just like no not another mediocre white dude. I think the representation in also reviewers and content creators has been under the spotlight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing more more people uh, showing up, and also like I, I feel the need to talk about the the board game thirst trap, um, where also a lot of people showed themselves when they were comfortable. In their own bodies and i really appreciated that as well because it was also showing everyone more people in the industry that are not no <laughs> not white dudes sitting in front of a working closet <laughs> sorry Rory. <laughs> like, that that is also something and there was also a pushback on that and then i feel like Again, that constant wave needs to be there where we need to celebrate the diverse voices, the diverse people in the industry. And also just be nice to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm I'm actually really pleased to see that like over the, let's say like like last or like two to five years, um, like there has been like a, a, almost like an explosion in the representation in the reviews community, which is great. Because remember when I started doing like Little Metal Dog Show way, way back when, um, 
there were very, very few um, female reviewers. There were very, very few black reviewers. There were very, very few um, non-cis reviewers. And now, you know, I could just flick through my YouTube playlists and you've got people like, you know, Jeremy over at um, Man vs. People, who's an absolute freaking star. You've got Our Family Plays Games. Um, and if you dip your toes into, like, the um, the RPG coverage universe as well, it's, like, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, like, this massively diverse range of all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds who are just, you know, talking about the things that they love, celebrating the games that they want to see. Um, maybe that's because the role-playing games world, it does feel a little bit kind of ahead, I guess, uh, when it comes to sort of like diversity and representation, you know, because there's a lot, it's a lot easier to put like a, uh, a an indie RPG out because like it's, Here's a bunch of text. It's two pages done, released, um, as opposed to, hey, we need to actually box this up and transport it halfway around the planet. Um, so maybe the increase in diverse creators in the role-playing games world is reflected in the people who are covering that. Um, and as we see more and more diverse creators come up in the world of um, in the world of tabletop, I would also like to see that expand in the world of board gaming. Um, like I played a game last week. Um, it's a, a super advanced, or like a prototype of uh, a game by a guy, uh, guy called Taylor Schuss uh, called Stonewall Uprising. And it's like, you know, it's a history of the LGBT movement from the 60s through to the 80s. And I was sitting there going, Christ, this game is absolutely fantastic. I want this game out there um and I, I and the reason that taylor made it is because they wanted to see you know their history reflected in in their tabletop space and i, I just want to see more of it it just doesn't you know not every game has to be about medieval merchants buying and selling spices and silk around the world yeah, I don't know. Yoss <laughs> says, do we need more diverse de designers? That was a moment, um, Michael, where you were like to man, reach for like a bottle of whiskey and just swig it because you're just like... <laughs> it's just like, reach your hand. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is half full of vodka. No, it's not. This is just Pepsi. Mm. Um, so yeah, do we need more diverse designers? I mean, we're getting them. But yeah. I'd like more. Yeah. Like, are there any designers like who you would give shout outs to? Like Emma, any anybody who saw like who, who pops into your brain? Elizabeth Hargrave, like she set a great example of how a fem like a female design board game got so many new people into the hobby because it was like reached new audiences. Um, she also does amazing threads on her Twitter where she calls out this like literally the statistics of how the things in the board game industry are regarding mm -hmm. representation and being a female or a person of color or a black person or whatever. Um, 
she has amazing diagrams and she also has a list of amazing designers and uh, people from the industry on her website. So check that out, please. Um, so that's the first thing that pops into my brain because it's, she said a new, like, hey, we are here. We are here. Emma Larkins designs amazing games. Uh, Carla from Weird Gi Gi Giraffe. Gi Giraffe. I don't know where that mm. Like, there's so many amazing female designers. Um, I'm, Banana Chen, uh, I just recently found her uh, with their new, like, just kickstarted game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we had Banana on a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jiang Chi, the uh, mm, blood yeah. on the. Blood on the dance floor. floor. Dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, the one about the uh, the one about the uh, vampire restaurant. Yeah, and of Running course, Artessa, my 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 companion in Girls Game Shelf. There, like, mm -hmm. that's that's all female examples, of course. And there's uh, Omari Akil, of course, with the the hoop gods and uh, rap gods and stuff. There, there's always room for more, mm -hmm. because the majority is still a white male yeah it ain't pie just because like we would like to see more uh lgbt designers or more black designers or more female designers it doesn't mean that there's going to be less room for the people who are already there um it's i was exactly going to give up, up, yeah. i think danny still has it as his tag tweet on his twitter let me pull it up <laughs> Well, you did that, yeah. I was going to give Amari a shout as well because um, Rap Gods is very much in my wheelhouse as um, as the, the 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 white Catholic Irish boy growing up in Northwest London in the eighties, um, listening to Capital Rap Show every Friday and Saturday night, <laughs> like under the covers at two o'clock in the morning. Um, I it guts me that this game isn't available in the UK, but um, when we get shows and everything up, up again, I. I cannot wait to play this because it's just going to—it's an amazing game about hip hop, and I—I want to try it. Um, and I'm delighted that he made a game that he wanted to see in the world, uh, and he's doing the same with Hoop Gods as well. And that it's sort of like it's getting so well received um, because it deserves it, you know. It, does, it really does. Yeah. So Danny uh, uh, worded yeah. it perfectly. More women in board gaming does not equal less men in board gaming. More people of color in board gaming does not equal less white people in board gaming. More LGBTQ plus in board gaming does not equal less cis straight people in board gaming. Diversity and inclusion isn't scary unless you have hate, hate in your heart. And I think that says it perfectly. That's pretty good. We like that. I would I would switch hate with fear. Personally speaking. Very thin line between the two, man. Well, the anger is usually an outward expression of fear or shame or guilt. D depends. Um, I think it's like nerves, having nerves talking about it doesn't equal scared, I think. Um, so th there's a really interesting movie uh, worth watching called The Best of Enemies. Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, and it's kind of exactly about that kind of topic. Um, and I will, I will argue for a long, long time that hate or anger is a cover 
it's an outward expression of a different emotion. <clears throat> and <clears throat> when you connect with the other emotion, you have more chance of affecting change rather than just going after the, than challenging the hate itself, if you can empathize with the other emotion. Uh, so <laughs> Zembrisa put up, um, thank you for this, Tamir, by the way. Uh, more diverse designers equal more diverse themes and mechanics equal more non-gamers becoming board gamers. And that, I think, is what we all, in the end, that's what we want. We want as wide a range of people to to get into games because, and this is from a strictly corporate point of view, we really like making games and selling them to people. And the more wider an audience we have, the more likely that we are able to sell games and the more likely we're all able to keep doing that. You know, whether it's Rory and I developing and designing them, Emma, you covering them, and hey, hopefully one day designing them yourself. I mean, did you ever, you ever thought about that? I had to design one for a course during my study, which got burned into the ground. So pretty much. <laughs> was, it, was that like part of the game or? Um, I did a very broad study in which I also specialized in gaming. And we had a course where we, for a company, designed a card game. Okay. Which was very basic, but I was also working in a team where it didn't very go smooth like it didn't go that smooth so <laughs> yeah it's well funny, maybe like... maybe design's not for everybody mm -hmm. i i mean i'm up for trying it but i will probably focus on doing random videos for now and that works that's okay um joe has a point as well um which is a something i've heard before when you're mm -hmm. accustomed to privilege equality feels like oppression um which is yeah, a very, very good point. Uh, Esfa over on Twitch says, the same is true for any industry. Uh, it sucks that diversity is still seen as a checkbox for companies' reputation than it is for the sake of diversity. Uh, the monopoly controversy is an example. Um, Esfa, there's been like nine and a half million monopoly controversies in the past few <laughs> years, whether it's like, you know, um, McGee having the rights stolen from her by the Egypts of Parker Brothers or um, by, by Darrow. Um, or the, hey, girl, Monopoly, or like the socialist version of all that sort of stuff. They're just, they're just not very good at the whole diversity thing, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been an interesting discussion. I, I think we barely scratched the surface, so it's, I, I'm going to assume it's something that we're going to come back to. At, uh, and I would suggest bringing on with a more diverse a audience. Diverse. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like I, 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 I would actually like to reach out to Amari um, and say, "Yo, if you got time, would you come on and like, you know, tell us about, you know, even just telling us like the story of Rap Gods and how it came to be is going to be a very interesting sort of discussion about the journey of of, of somebody who just took a chance on it." Um, so yeah. I don't know, I'll give him a message. Maybe in a few weeks' time, we'll see if we can we can revisit the well. Uh, it'll be cool. I'd in that space. I would also be very interested in talking to people from different economic backgrounds as mm -hmm. well, um, and nationalities. You know, because I think um, I think that for me is the bit that really interests me is like reaching far and wide in terms of the voices and 
perspectives that can inform gaming as well because when i look around and i might be wrong but a lot of people who are contributing fall quite close in the economic spectrum because it's like we're at a point where we can actually look around and think about designing games rather than worrying about our day-to-day survival um and that yeah for me it comes back to bringing out those different perspectives from people um just as wide and diverse as possible so yes true is true all right like i said we've probably barely scratched the surface but you know this is this is around the time where we normally bring things to a close so um emma i would like to thank you for your time uh it is lovely to have you here um if folks want to uh say hi to you or anything uh what can they do where can they find you so i am at mzaya on twitter and instagram look at that right (laughs) yay um there i'm mostly active on twitter uh, the Pointless Parrot podcast, you, if you Google that, you'll find it. Or go to pointlessparrot.com, where I link to almost everything I'm doing right now, including the Twitch stream, which is also under the MZIA. Um The Pointless Parrot features people from the board game industry, but isn't necessarily about board games. It started off more board game related, but it got more serious because life got more serious. <laughs> <laughs> um they also turn from 30 minutes to an hour, so... That's fine. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Mm. Um, the I just recorded yesterday, which is also going to be a pretty interesting episode, so that's it's, it's good, it's nice. Um, so yeah, if you want to, like, like the, the, the most, like, the one place where all the links are is on pointlessparent.com. Good stuff. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to follow us, um rory is see i've done it for everybody rory, there you go rory o'connor and i am this uh, idol michael uh but the most important thing is at we are hub games uh that is everywhere twitter facebook twitch the whole nine yards and um i shall be back on friday with rory mm-hmm. as we continue our devastating battle <laughs> as we climb through the ranks it's not gonna it's not going to be amazing. It's going to be very bad. Um, we did, uh, yeah. So yeah, Oliver earlier asked, um, had Michael won Prism Arena? And the answer was no, not yet. Um, maybe Friday. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, your 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 coach Yoss is um, on the, the sidelines, ready to <laughs> cheerlead Yoss. Thing. Let's win. <laughs> Let's go. Um, cool, cool, cool. And yes, Yoss, please go listen to Emma's podcast because um, it's a really good one. Not that I'm hankering to get an invite on it or anything. Um, you already yeah, got an invite. So. That's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on any time you want us. Um, so, yeah, I realized this episode was more of a sort of like a serious one. Um, I'm normally less serious. This is true. I've hung out with you, and I know exactly how less serious you are. Um, but, yeah. Um, thank you for joining us for this episode, everybody who's watching live. Um, if you're watching on the repeat as well on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook, um, give us a shout on the comments. Let us know what you thought. And we will be back for another Hangout next Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, um, me and him will be back on Friday for more stuff. And go mm-hmm. and subscribe to Emma's podcast immediately. Okay? Done? Done. Okay. All right. I will be live painting a paired miniature from Dawn of Peacemakers. Uh, continuing painting. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitch. <laughs> it's nice. going to be the zombie one now. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. 
Yeah. It's all good. All right. This is the bit where we wave until the screen says end. So goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye.